Hello, I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. Now, my guest today is the fashion designer, Edeline Lee. Launching her eponymous label in 2014, she's overseen the growth of a brand that has been worn by stars from Taylor Swift and Solange Knowles to Kira Knightley and Anne Hathaway. She's known for her immersive and performative shows at London Fashion Week, and this year was no exception when it went virtual. She describes her brand of fashion as intelligent craftsmanship, clothes with meaning and depth. And today's story is very much about that search for meaning and how you find it. Edline, welcome to Changemakers. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure. I, mean, I loved your London Fashion Week Aww. immersive video. And we'll get on to that. But what I'd like to start with is this, this idea about fashion and meaning. You've railed against a culture of consumerism, you know, filling the never-ending hole and how that makes you insecure and disempowering, especially for women. Mm-hmm. Give us a sense of what does it mean, therefore, in terms of the relationship between meaning and the work that you do in the higher end of fashion? Well, I am a fashion designer, so obviously I, I find that there's meaning in the work that I do. And um, I think that... I think that clothes represent uh, it represents so much about about um, your identity, women, uh, women and men. Um, they project their identity through clothing. They uh, the things that you wear are symbols in a way for what you stand for, who you are, um, how how you want to be seen, and how you see yourself. And so I think clothes are they're such an intimate thing as well. Everyone wears them on their body. They feel them next to their skin. Everyone has a relationship with their clothing and has an opinion about it. And also, um, because of the system that we have, it represents what's happening right now in this very moment in the zeitgeist. And I mean, I've been on that. I mean, obviously, we're living in a world of lockdown, a world of of COVID-19. We're seeing things like tracksuit bottoms, you know, flying off the shelves. Has our relationship with style and fashion change during lockdown from, from your perspective? I, I think absolutely. It's, um, it's a wholesale shift in our environment. Uh, we tra- we're traveling less. We're traveling more selectively when we do. Uh, a lot of us are spending time at home, working from home. I, um, of course, it's changing everything. Um, having said that, the women who are wearing my clothes are still doing things. You know, they're, they're still on the screen you know, making ideas and trying to get them um, published or uh, out there into the world. And um, so I think my women still need clothes, you know, they, um, and you can't wear sweatpants forever. So. (laughs) Well, I mean, but but also I suppose this, this on that point about forever is that we want to express ourselves. And and one of my Mm -hmm. past guests, um, Anne Seba, the historian, she wrote about, um, the women of Paris in the lockdown. And she mm-hmm. spoke about how important on this point about meaning fashion was as an act of rebellion, an act of self-affirmation. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you sort of get a sense that we may well be going through stages in our relationship with a global um, pandemic and and the effects of lockdown? I mean, do you, do you think that we may well move into a world where our individualism, our ability to express ourselves is going to become more important? I mean, I think it's always been important, but I definitely think we're on the tipping edge of a change here. Um, everyone, businesses and um, communities, we've all had to figure out schools, we've all had to figure out different ways to 
communicate and connect and present ourselves. So this is an exciting time, actually, as a as a creative. Um, you know, you're trying. It's the same thing with Fashion Week. Um, you're trying to envision a different way of doing things, and and that, of course, is difficult, but it's also an interesting challenge. Mm. I mean, I mean, let's 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 talk about that. I mean, we're going to put your London Fashion Week virtual show, your video. We're going to put that mm-hmm. with your lockdown notes on this episode, or just go straight to your to your website because it is phenomenal. I mean, tell us a little uh, bit about the video. I mean, I loved watching it. I have to tell you. Uh, we we always do um, quite immersive shows um, at Fashion Week. Um, and this one, I felt uh, maybe it'd be nice to do something that is about how we feel in this time. Um, so we had just come out of a lockdown in London. Uh, the video is only two minutes long, but it's the same woman repetitively doing all these things locked in a room. Yes, I was going to say, set the scene for us, this sort of stripped back room, this sort of, you know, the fireplace, wonderful. It's a, yeah, it's a stripped back room and she's sleeping, she's eating, she's cleaning, She's it's a little bit anxious, she's all alone, um, she's confronting her solitude, she's confronting herself, you know, in many forms, and, and she layers on top of each other. And I, I just wanted to kind of, you know, um, in a lighthearted way say this is, how we're feeling right now mm. i mean i think i think for anyone that thinks that you know the virtual world struggles to convey a sense of emotion i mean i think your video is quite a riposte to that in terms of just in two minutes i mean you find yourself feeling trapped locked down freed the whole thing is i mean and, and i suppose that's very much your brand you want to you want to push um boundaries and of course i suppose looking at your career here it all makes sense but if we go back to the beginning um of your of your career your first fashion memory tell us about this pair of shorts that sticks out in your mind <laughs> as your first design triumph or disaster did we treat those two imposters just the same <laughs> it was definitely a disaster but it was it was home economics class i grew up in canada so i was learning how to sew and i made a pair of window pane checked shorts and I remember it quite clearly. Um, I remember them quite clearly. Um, but it was, you know, it, it was where I was introduced to the making making of something and where I fell in love with it. Mm. Um, what was it about the making that you fell in love with? Because obviously it is, it's a very physical yeah. career, isn't it? Sort of the fabrics and cuts and, I mean, yeah. what, what, what gave you the bug? What, what got you interested? It, it's actually unbelievably difficult. You have um, you have different fabrics every time. They react differently. It's like a sculptural material. Um, you have the 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 limits of the human body. Um, you have the limits of how you know women feel about their bodies. How you know all of these things that we've spoken about already. How they present themselves. The, and then you have, as I was saying, the zeitgeist. So you you need to be present in the now. You know, saying something. And you need to kind of accommodate all of these limitations and technically be able to stitch this thing together in a way that it will last, mm. you know. And um, so I, I find it endlessly challenging. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to know that, I mean, what, what were the signals? Because, I mean, I've got, I've got two young daughters, nine and seven, and I, I endlessly wonder what they're going to do. Actually, I think one one of them could be a great fashion creative and, and the other one's very expressive. And I'm just sort of wondering... What were the signals of the young headline in terms of your personality that that kind of if you were to look at the breadcrumb trail that gets you to today, what were the earliest what were the earliest signals? 
I think at that time I was quite shy as a child. I was quiet. And I discovered that fashion equals power. You know, um, if you wear um, a pair of matching socks to your shorts, people notice. And, and that, you know, you can, you can almost, um, you know, a sense of taste is something that, you know, that people notice. So this was expression, the power of expression. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, that was the first instinct, I think. And then there's the aesthetics, obviously. You know, it's a beautiful craft. And, and people know you for the aesthetics. I mean, that is one of the, you know, when, when you read the pieces, I mean, y- you are seen as just, you know, however you do it, it's just one of those things. It just all seems to come together. I mean, is, is that something, I mean, obviously you went to Central St. Martins to learn, but, mm-hmm. but do you think there is something more, do you just have to be born with this or can you actually learn it, do you think, in terms of that style? I mean, you know what they always say about um, 99% sweat, and that's definitely the case in fashion. You have to work Incredibly hard. hard. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, incredibly hard. It's not, it's not uh, you know, we change our products season after season. So it's not like you um, design a toothbrush and then sell it for 30 years. You know, it's, uh, you have to continue changing along with the people who are wearing it. And, um, and so, yes, it's a, it's a skill. It's definitely something you can practice. I mean, you worked and were trained with world-renowned designers like John Galliano, Alexander McQueen. Tell us a little bit about that. What was, what, what was it like working with some of the greats? That era in fashion was so interesting because it was a storytelling, a narrative era. And I still, um, I still get inspired by that in my work today. Mm. Um, they were, it wasn't just clothes, they were telling stories and they were capturing their audience with that. And, um, and I think, um, obviously, aside from the great skill that both of them um, have as designers or had as designers. Um, so I think, um, I think that's something that I tried to play with and it may be in a different way for our time now, but um, that's something I play with all the time. Because I would say storytelling is a very important part of, of your work. Um, I mean, do you think that's, do you think that's now an exception rather than the rule? I mean, have, have, have designers on the whole, have they lost that art of storytelling, you know, the journey, if you will? You have different types of designers and different approaches, um, but that particular era was strong for that. Um, I think now that perhaps everyone's going to be moving digitally, maybe we'll see more of it because, you know, a runway show relies on a lot of factors that you can't kind of bring into a film you know so there's the energy in the air and the atmosphere of the people and all the you know people in the front row and all of that you know so the speed of the girls that are walking and the wind that blows at, against your face you know there's a lot of things that can bring up the energy and the adrenaline in the room um, which in a film is a little bit different you so know? the virtual experience may well play in the favor of the of the storytellers maybe i think so because we i mean it's that much harder to reach people now Uh, we need to communicate and we need to reach our woman and you know a story is one of the i guess the most uh, profound and and um kind of earliest ways that human beings have connected to one another well i mean enduring i mean and you you yourself have talked about playing the long game um, in terms of your career and indeed your label. Tell, tell us a little bit about what does it mean to play the long game in something that is so seasonal, something that changes so, so rapidly in terms of styles and tastes? I, I feel like as, as I matured in this industry, I 
um, have seen people come and go very quickly. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a very difficult industry. I think when I say playing the long game, I, I don't intend my clothes to last only one season. I, I'm not that type of designer. Um, I hope that they last in women's wardrobes for a much, much longer time. Um, I constantly actually have women coming back to my studio and we alter and fix clothes that we sold to them years ago, you know? So I, um, there's that aspect of it, but also as a businesswoman, I think, um, I want a sustainable business for my team and for, um, you know, this is my lifestyle as well. You know, it's hard work. So this is, I don't want it to be kind of a, something, you know, the trend of the moment. I suppose that is also underpinned um, by a view about the future and the way that mm-hmm. women of the, uh, women of the future are going to are going to dress. You talked about future woman um, mm-hmm. as as an idea. I mean, tell us more. Uh, yes, I. When people ask, as a designer, you are asked all the time, "Who is your muse? Who you know? Who are you aspiring to dress?" And I made up this term, "future lady," um, which is uh, an idea of what what is the what is a lady in the future? You know, um, aside from the past definition of it. You know, someone who is graceful and dignified and powerful and intelligent and, you know, and what am I aspiring to be? What what do my, you know, who are the women that I'm actually dressing? Um, which sometimes is at odds with what you see in the industry, what you see in magazines. You know, the, the real women that are wearing my clothes as a designer are powerful women. And uh, mm. they are, um, you know, they're not, you know, young girls. So, um I, I I look I think about that when I design. I mean, one of those um, um, fans is is Baroness Helena Morrissey, who who um, has been a guest on on this show, um, and you spoke with her about female entrepreneurs and redefining power because it's not just a a fashion statement. I guess it's it's, it's there's something else at play here. Tell us tell us a little bit a bit more about that. I I think. Gender politics is something I've always been interested in. I um, I studied sociology actually when I was young, and I I think that obviously in our day and age, uh, power for women as a topic has been changing. You know, feminism is something that's been going on for decades and been through many cycles. I think that at the moment, I look around me and I don't see how women in the future my kind of woman in the future are going to dress. I don't think it's addressed, basically. So I that's the challenge that I'm trying to achieve because, you know, there there is a difference between power. I mean, uh, as you know, I did a show with Mary Beard and, and that was one where Dame Helena Morsi was part of that show as well and, and Anne Seba. Um, we, you know, pow- power is just something that we, we have. I don't think we have a grasp of what, what that looks like a feminine power because i mean I, that, that, that's i guess what i was driving at feminine power and and the degree to which fashion releases it and doesn't mm-hmm. trap it mm-hmm. i think um well f- as a maker i obviously put love and care into the clothes that we make and i care about how it feels and how it fits and how it makes the woman feel so that's one aspect of it is the spirit that you put into the clothes but then it's also how does it suit this woman's life how you know when they are up front speaking wearing my dresses do they you know are they at their the limits of their you know the heights of their power and that's um it's what the 
objective that I'm trying to serve. Do you get a sense that in this year where, I mean, we've mentioned the pandemic, but it's also a year of major social change. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter marches. Mm-hmm. We've seen huge concerns about climate change. When you look at periods in the past where big issues become very, very conscious issues for the world, mm-hmm. you quite often see a big change in in style and the way that people express themselves during those periods. Have you have you picked up on how all of this is going to affect how you think about fashion for the future? I you know it's all happening right now, which is kind of exciting. Um, you see it in the fashion industry right now. You see um, kind of aggressive dystopian future kind of that type of uh, imagery coming out. Um, I think what my my vision is a bit lighter and it's more feminine and it's you know I'm looking for beauty right now um, so that that was a bit like how the film was as well this season mm. we're you know we're trying to there's a light side to this as well and there's um, there's a way that we can um, we will be able to live our potential again you know or within these circumstances uh, and still do it in a beautiful way Um it's it's uh, actually happening as we speak. We're, I feel that we're going through a massive shift in our in our society. Mm. I mean, I mean, uh, b- back to uh, back to Anne for a moment. But I mean, the thing that that um, she would would say, I'm sure, was that when the lockdown for the women of 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 Paris ended, it it led to this exuberance of the new look. That actually everything was a very very different change i mean i i i think it's it's exciting to think about the moment where things do move on from from the kind of the the world we're living in right now and how we will creatively express ourselves in in that in that in that era it's so true like during the period of the new look um or during wartime obviously there were all these restrictions but women also started working um you know in munitions factories and they, they took on jobs outside of the home for the first time. There was a wholesale shift in society at that point. Um, here, during the pandemic, you read in the news about, you know, things going a little bit backwards for women uh, that way. Um, you know, working from home with children, it's harder for women often. And um, and uh, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. Obviously, everything is temporary and this will change, but mm. uh, this is this is very much a time when I think all creatives need to be really alert because we're the ones that are visualizing it for people. And I suppose you're, you're visualizing it, but I suppose you also need to embody the values of it. And when you, mm-hmm. when you, um, when you hear this phrase of, you know, business as a force for good, um, you look at issues like sustainability, fashion finds itself on, on this front line between kind of, you know, fast fashion, disposable fashion, and those that see a responsibility um, in terms of the resources of the planet. Take the story forward for us. Well, I think the idea of fast fashion is, uh, it's something that's happened in the past few couple of generations. It's very recent. Um, The globalization, the production of fashion all around the world and the pieces coming together. I think um, what I do is almost like work like a dressmaker. Um, in we're in London, we make everything here, and we um, make it all by hand. And you know, we only make what we get and what gets ordered. So we're 
we're reverting back to this is the way clothes have been for centuries. We see our clients one by one and we build a wardrobe with them and we change things from season after season. We add a little bit more or, you know, sell them a top to wear with a skirt they bought last time. I think um, this for me has been more of a personal choice um, with how I want to live my life and what the enjoyment I get out of being mm. a designer. But I think this is actually the direction the world's moving in or it should be moving in because it's not sustainable, the fast fashion consumption thing. But, but I suppose that the thing, I mean, people that might be listening say, well, it, it's fine if you're buying very expensive pieces and you can afford mm-hmm. to to do that a lot of a lot of what fast fashion is doing is it's it's basically fulfilling um the, the needs in an austerity climate um similarly a lot a lot of people listening w- will will say well you know actually you need to make this exciting as well it's not just about being responsible i mean tristram stewart the toast ale founder he said to me, if you want to change the world, you have to throw a better party than those that are destroying it. <laughs> hasn't sustainable fashion got to become a really exciting choice as well as a as well as a responsible choice? I, of course. And there's a lot of designers approaching it from different angles right now. And um, the fact of the matter is, if you pay people properly to make your clothes, then they will cost more, you know, and and if people are being paid fairly to do it, then it will cost more. If design is good, it will cost more as well. And um, and also hopefully it'll last longer. So I think that we have survived for generations with women, you know, buying one dress for the season and then altering their coat from last season and a new hat, you know, that that used to be the way. And I think and women were endlessly creative with that, you know. So I, I think that Perhaps, you know, yes, it costs more, but it costs more for a reason. There's, there's a problem if you're paying too little, um, which if you really look under that leaf or that cover of that book, um, perhaps you would not like what you see, you know. Um, mm. So, you know, clothes are made by hand. They're made by it takes time. You know, someone has to stitch it. And I suppose that we've got to be we've got to be you know responsive to that to that time. But I will say, I mean, using the time I've got with you, I mean, I, I think about you as you know, there's there's one part of you which is the fashion designer, one part of you which is the creative spirit, but there's also one part of you which is the entrepreneur. Because I mean, you know, when we had the the briefing for this conversation, I mean, they often, they, you often talk about building your building a business from the kitchen table. Well, that was you, and I could see your your team and and so much going on and you know your tip for life that accompanies this episode is is fear is not an option which not only sounds like the verse of an Eminem song <laughs> that I remember but um I think it's much more impolite but it's also a very entrepreneurial view of the world which is that you have to confront your fear you have to own it I mean how do you do that what what's your kind of coping mechanism You know, it's everything is one. I mean, maybe this is a boring answer, but everything is one small step at a time. And I think when you um, fear is a really wasted emotion most of the time, unless a bus is running at you, um, you know, really like the fear of putting your things out there, putting your name out there, attaching your name to a project, um, working hard at doing something. All of these things are wasted fears, I think. And um, once you, I found for myself personally, when I surpassed that, things started happening. So, so, so fear can be a motivator for you as well? 
I, I think it's um, initially you have to just blindly ignore it and try, and then and then you realize it's not that scary anymore. <laughs> it's just yeah. And we are living through. It. I mean, in 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 relative terms, the, the experience of 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 twenty twenty is a scary year from the point of view of health, the point of view of economically. Tell us how you're coping with it, and what would your advice be? I mean, the thing is, you know, you wear masks, you be careful, you, um, you know, you take care of your friends and your family around you and your employees or, and, and, and then you, you know, it's also the onus is on right now to make beautiful things, to do beautiful things, because we need to counteract all this ugliness in the world, I think. (laughs) So um, I think um, it's a time for us to kind of, you know, you know, get involved, you know, get political, you, you know, do what you're good at basically do what you're good at well I, <laughs> I, I think i have to do what i'm good at which is unfortunately i have to i have to end um this wonderful episode um of change makers headline thank you so much um for joining me and there we heard it use your fear and do beautiful things what what a what an inspiring message to close the show and my thanks go to Edeline Lee, a designer using the power of fashion to provide meaning in uncertain times. And her message is this, play the long game. And what's more, do it your way. Join me next time for Changemakers. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Audioboom, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed it, why not give us a rating? Changemakers, find your mission.